Africa rise and shine Africa zola Africa amka na unai Good morning and a very warm welcome to the final hour of Africa Rise and Shine this morning. This is Channel Africa from an African perspective, coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We are on DSTV's audio bouquet Channel 802 and on www.channelafrica.co.za. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Onelin Zinzi and Tabisolo Hoko. In our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at Asawa, most South African political parties from the opposition benches criticize the economic reconstruction and recovery plan introduced by President Cyril Ramaphosa last week. Gender-based violence remains a serious global scourge which has been made even more visible by the COVID-19 pandemic and in economics news. Airtel Tanzania announces a new partnership with Air Tanzania Company where Airtel customers and others will get the access of purchasing Air Tanzania tickets through Airtel Money Wallets. But first up the news with Onel Nzinzi. SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Thank you, Lulu. The Economic Community of West African States, ECOWAS, has urged the security forces in Nigeria to exercise restraint in the handling of protesters and to act professionally. For nearly two weeks, Nigeria has been rocked by protests against police brutality. On Tuesday, as Lagos State began a 24-hour curfew to stem the violence, soldiers shot at protesters in the Lekia district. The Lagos State Governor said 30 people were hurt in the shooting and only one person had died in hospital. However, he said it was now not known whether the man was part of the protests. On Wednesday, Nigerian nationals living in South Africa handed over a memorandum to the Nigerian High Commissioner to South Africa in Victoria calling for an end to the violence. The African Union Commission chairperson, Musa Faki Muhammad, has also condemned the violence that erupted in Nigeria. On Wednesday, some eyewitnesses say they counted as many as 20 bodies and at least 50 people wounded. Show and Bryce Peace reports. In a statement, Musa Faki Mahamat also appealed to all political and social actors to reject the use of violence and respect human rights and the rule of law. He also welcomed a decision by the Nigerian government to disband the country's special anti-robbery squad that has been accused of abuses including extortion, torture and murder. A unit whose actions have brought protesters onto the streets for weeks in that country. The AU chief also offered the organization's support to the government and the people of Africa's most populous state and largest economy and encouraged authorities to conduct an investigation to ensure the perpetrators of violence are held to account. High volumes of firearms are being trafficked into the Sadig region, with Angola and Botswana being among countries that are most affected by the illegal arms trade. The report by the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime comes at a time Zimbabwean security forces have launched an investigation into profit, pro- prolification of illegal firearms in the country. These firearms are usually used in deadly criminal activities. The report, titled Global Study on Firearms Trafficking, was released during the ongoing virtual UN General Assembly Summit. A total of 12,000 illicit firearms were seized in Angola this year alone, while 1,000 were confiscated in Botswana, making the two countries the worst affected.
South Africa has recorded 2,055 new COVID-19 cases in the past 24-hour cycle, bringing the number of infections to 708,357. The number of recoveries now stand at 641,706. 85 new COVID-19-related deaths have been recorded, putting the national death toll to 18,741. Meanwhile, retired epidemiologist Dr. Joel Burns says the government should focus on controlling the so-called super spreaders of the virus. It would serve the government very well if there's a big increase, not go back to lockdowns which were so extremely damaging, but rather to concentrate on controlling and stopping these super spreader events. There was a huge one in Sturgis in America where almost Half a million people, against all advice, attended the motorcycle rally and they uh, got sick only after they all went back home. Lastly, former U.S. President Barack Obama has sharply criticized President Donald Trump in his first campaign speech in support of the Democratic Party's presidential candidate Joe Biden. Speaking at a rally in Philadelphia, Obama said Trump had treated the presidency like a reality show and hadn't shown interest in anyone else but himself. I never thought Donald Trump would embrace my vision or continue my policies. But I did hope, for the sake of the country, that he might show some interest in taking the job seriously. But it hasn't happened. At least 220,000 Americans have died. More than 100,000 small businesses have closed. Millions of jobs are gone. Our proud reputation around the world is in tatters. Channel African News, I am Onelin Tsinzi. Your sports news up next with Fili Lingwati. Now, sports update this hour. I'm Fidel Nwati. We begin with cricket news. Cricket South Africa, CSA, received the go-ahead from the Minister of Sports, Arts and Culture to proceed with the limited overs tour between the Proteas men and the ICC World Cup champions England. The tournament will consist of three KFC T20 international and three Betway one-day international matches from the 27th of November to the 9th of December. Due to the COVID-19 protocols, England will arrive in mid-November. The tour will be limited to the Western Cape with two ODI matches and two T20 matches to be played at Newland Stadium and one ODI and one T20 match at the Eurolux Boland Park in Pal. The detailed fixtures will be announced at a later stage. English Premiership side Manchester United striker Odion Igalo has taken to social media to express his views on the current unrest in Nigeria. Speaking after... United's 2-1 win over PSG on Tuesday, the Nigerian striker was critical of his native country's government amid reports that people taking part in a protest against police brutality have been shot dead and injured in the country's capital, Lagos. He also expressed his concern for the well-being of his family. Speaking in a video post on his verified Twitter handle, the Afghan 2019 top scorer said he was ashamed of the Nigerian government for the rash decision to deploy soldiers to stop people from protesting. In a soul-staring post, the former Watford forward said, I am sad. I am not the guy who talks about politics, but I can't keep quiet anymore over what is going on back home in Nigeria. On to golf news. 
A second tournament was added on Wednesday to the South African League of the European Tour, Sunshine Tour, with an announcement that the Alfred Dunhill Championship will take place between the 26th and the 29th of November. Leopard Creek Country Club, which borders the Kruger National Park, will once again host the event, with the prize money increasing to 1.8 million US dollars. Spaniard Pablo Larathabal scored a dramatic one-stroke victory in the tournament last year, overcoming severely blistered feet in the final round to triumph. The Jobeck Open will herald the return of international golf to South Africa after a nine-month suspension due to the coronavirus pandemic. Details of the South African Open are expected to be disclosed today with the Sun City Resort in northwestern South Africa set to host the 3rd to the 6th of December tournament. That's the Sport News this hour. SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Thank you, Figile, for that sports update. It is 7.09 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. Coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Most political parties from the opposition benches have criticized the economic reconstruction and recovery plan introduced by President Sil Ramaphosa last week. Ramaphosa told Parliament in a joint sitting that the main objectives of the plan is to embark on a massive public works and job creation in response to the coronavirus pandemic. The plan includes the unlocking of more than one trillion rand in investment over the next four years and create more than 800,000 job opportunities. But opposition parties during the joint sitting in response to the plan have described it as nothing new. They also lamented that it is too ambitious and government won't be able to effectively implement it. Abonga Kobokana felt this report. In reply to the debate after all parties in the National Assembly and the delegates of the National Council of Provinces have engaged in the content of the plan, President Sira Ramaphosa pleaded with them not to use the economic plan as a political football. And this is where we've been calling on all South Africans. And Prince Butelezi is absolutely right. This is not the time to grandstand. It is the time as South Africans and to work together to achieve a common purpose. And our country is not alone in experiencing an economic crisis of this depth and extent. Many other countries around the world are experiencing exactly the same problem. IFP President Emeritus Prince Mangosutu Butelezi seemed to be the only voice of reason by calling on fellow opposition benches to put their political agendas aside for the sake of the country. So, as in the time of war, the advice the same party has So, I believe myself that, like a country at war, we must put aside political agendas. We have flawed our president and the cabinet for all that they have tried to do. We do not any body politics. I believe that the president has done his best. This plan is not intended simply to placate. Nevertheless, I fear that it may be absolutely unattainable. While the main criticism against the plan were generally about its originality, 
but the EFF took issue with the fact that President Sere Ramaphosa never included the issue of land expropriation without compensation as part of the recovery plan. EFF Chief Whip Floyd Shivambo. The so-called recovery plan, there's not a single mention of the land question. Perhaps because the president of the ANC and the ANC as a rule are scared of the thugs who banned police vehicles and shot guns inside a court of law in Matabai, which is the same Senegal in the prison. By the way, mentioning of agriculture and agro-processing outside the land reposition program, which this parliament agreed must be appropriated without composition, is a sign of cowardice. The official opposition, the DA, reiterated that the plan is not fresh. Party interim leader John Steinhaisen elaborated that the economic problems in South Africa were present way before the COVID-19 pandemic. It was the heavy-handed response of government, the hardest, longest, most unscientific lockdown in the world. That is what closed down factories, that is what closed down restaurants, retailers and thousands of other businesses, and that is what has destroyed our tourism industry. So let us approach this debate on the economic reconstruction and recovery plan and put that truth in the back of our minds. But here is the other problem. This isn't a plan. A plan has a list of steps. A plan has details of resource allocation, deliverables and timelines. UDM leader Bandu Olomisa says while his party welcomes any attempts to rejuvenate the economy, but it has no hope about the practical implementation of the idea. The UDM welcomes President Ramaphosa's ideas around South Africa's economic reconstruction and recovery plan, especially the use of massive infrastructure development projects the rebuilding and the cultivation of the manufacturing industry. However, Mr. President, we have heard this noise before and ask that you at least publish a map of the areas that will be targeted. Taking part as the leader of the provincial delegate to the National Council of Provinces, Gauteng Premier David Makuru commended the plan. This plan is not just about growth. It is not just about recovery. It is about a different type of growth and a different type of recovery and a different path to growth and a different path to recovery. We have chosen an inclusive and sustainable as well as transformative path to growth and recovery. A growth and recovery that leaves no one behind. And President Ramaphosa defended his plan. But in the end, we have to put a plan on the table. It may well sound like we are repeating what we have said in the past. Yes, that may well be so. It may well sound like we have not come up with anything new. But I think if you read between those lines and those paragraphs, and if we all take time to look at this plan carefully, we will find that there is a new goal. And that report by Abongwe Gobogana. 
After a summer of racial reckoning in the U.S., Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden chose a woman of color to be his running mate. Kamala Harris is the first black woman to appear on a U.S. presidential ticket, an historic choice that will But will it lead to any substantive improvement in the lives of African-Americans and will it motivate them to vote? Kate Fisher reports. You ready to go to work? Oh my God, I'm so ready to go to work. The first woman of color to be nominated on a presidential ticket. And surely the first time the job's been offered on Zoom. This is certainly an election campaign like no other. But will having a black woman on the presidential ticket motivate African-Americans to vote for Joe Biden? For black people, we don't think her selection is going to change the needle that much. She being a black female, yes, we'll have somebody who looks like us or who we could look up to and be proud of. But underneath, it's still white men in charge, still older white men in charge. So as a black person, I am not fooled to think that Biden is going to be the savior of black America. But he's better than Trump. So anything is better than Trump. I'm sure we would have voted even if she wasn't on the ballot because we just really wanted him to get the hell out of office. I mean, at this point, I'll be willing to take Mickey Mouse over what we have in office now. So I think everyone's pretty much at that point. I can't say that I was thrilled that it was Harris that was on the ticket. But I mean, I mean, I'm for it whether or not we just need to get this guy out. Kamala Harris's record is still iffy with me. It doesn't sit right with me, and so, you know, I still think about that. But, you know, Biden-Harris, let's do it. Yeah. There's more pride at Kamala Harris's alma mater, Howard University in Washington, D.C., where Niambi Carter is Associate Professor of Political Science. Our university community was so full of emotion because Kamala Harris is a graduate of the university, but also a graduate of the department where I currently teach. And I think that was a a moment for all of us. And I think it made us all sit up a little bit prouder and stand up a bit taller and recognize that we are not just educating black students. We are educating world leaders. America's historically black colleges and universities don't tend to have the same reputation as its Ivy League institutions like, say, Harvard. But the education that Kamala Harris gained here could be taking her to the height of American political power as the country's first black female vice president. An honor that some consider to be long overdue. I think as a black woman, I think it says something that my mother and I are having the exact same experience and my mother is multiple generations older than me. That says so much about where we've come, but so much about how far we still have to go. America's quest for racial justice is far from over, but Democrats are hoping that the nomination of a black woman on a presidential ticket can help to persuade enough voters to choose them come November the 3rd. Kate Fisher, Washington. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. We have withstood the coronavirus storm. Now is the time to return our country, its people, and our economy to a situation that is more normal, that more resembles the lives that we were living six months ago. Following consultations with a number of stakeholders, Cabinet decided 
that the country should now move to alert level one. The move to alert level one will take effect from midnight on Sunday, the 20th of September 2020. This move recognizes that levels of infections are relatively low and that there is sufficient capacity in our health system to manage the current need. Channel Africa. In each and every one of us, there, there is, is a purpose and grace. We were all meant to shine. It is up to an individual to, to realize, realize that, that purpose. Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. Join me, Amanda Machaga, on Life by Design, where I will be talking to people who share their journey on how they discovered their purpose with the hope to inspire you to, to live your life, life by design. design. Tune in to Life by Design for your dose, dose of Monday, Monday motivation. motivation every Monday at 8 a.m. Central African time and at 2 a.m. the following day. Life, life by, by design, design, be the architect of your life. life. Only on Channel Africa, be African, be African perspective. perspective. It's 7.20 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. South African students have begun knuckling down and preparing for what will undoubtedly be a tough set of exams following a tumultuous educational year. However, South Africa's leading tea makers, Lager, are encouraging healthy habits and herbal tea as an effective aid in dealing with the inevitable exam stress. Dietitian Bali Mapoli spoke to Samora Manges to share with us some tips that students can follow as they prepare for their exams. You know, students tend to choose um, or chase caffeine in attempts, obviously, to do to deal with the stress of exams. But obviously, they overdo it because youngsters overdo everything these days. So, as tea makers, particularly as the rooibos tea makers like Lager. We want to expose the young generation to the health benefits of rooibos tea, which they might miss uh, because, in general, rooibos tea is viewed as, like, old-fashioned by the millennials or the 2000s. So we want to expose them to the health benefits, and those health benefits such as the fact that rooibos tea has plenty of antioxidants, which are important because they protect our cells, including the brain cells from free radical damage. And you can imagine during this exam time that they're going to sit on now, their brain is like a very important organ. So it, it is very important for them to get those antioxidants from the rooibos team. And please take us through these tips that the students should consider as they enter this nerve-wracking period. The tips that um, you know students should consider to as they enter this like very nerve-wracking period, the first thing is to rethink your drink. And... It's easy to just grab a caffeine drink, which it is fine, but obviously in excess it can be problematic. So products like Ortiz, like the Lager Rebels Tea, are caffeine-free. And there is a variety of options that one can have. One can choose to have the Lager Rebels Tea, the original. In the morning with their breakfast, they can choose to have the Lager Cranberry and Wild Cherry Rebels Tea as a pick-me-up, maybe in the late afternoon. Or they might choose to have, you know, the Lager Rebels um, that is uh, combined with chamomile before they sleep or when they're feeling on the edge, just to help them. The second thing that is important is nourish your brain very well. They are, bra- they are foods that we call brain foods. 
food uh, brain is an organ and it needs to be fed the right nutrients. We get those uh, nutrients from a variety of foods. So basically, it's important for students to eat eat a variety of foods that are going to nourish your body. For example, adding eggs to their diet, adding oily fish because it's high in omega-3, like your sardines, pilchards as well, adding nuts, adding green leafy vegetables, as well as fruits. So a variety of, of foods that they need to eat. The other thing is to drink plenty of water. I, I can't get into all the host of benefits for making sure that they keep hydrated well. So, for example, uh, uh, drinks that are caffeine-free, they do count towards the, especially those that don't have a lot of sugar, they do count towards the fluid intake for the day. So they can make themselves nice. I still using, you know, any of the lager, rooibos, teas, and, and not add a lot of sugar so that it counts well. But the other thing is to keep active. Step back from it all. Even if it's just for 30 minutes, keep active. Run, jog, walk, whatever it is that you need to do to just take a break and, and exercise. And also sleeping is important. Lastly, get some sun. We need our body to our skin to produce vitamin D, and we get that when the skin is exposed to the sun. All right. And do you think the class of 2020 needs support as much as possible to deal with the challenges of this very bizarre year? The class of 2020 definitely needs support more than any other class. We know that this has been a very different year, and they are going to be sitting down in very different circumstances with a mask on, the social distancing. A lot of, of, of things have, 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 have gone, you know, you can say there might be silver linings into the cloud, but there are things that have really changed. We are far from normality. So they need support from government, but also they need support from the media like yourself as Channel Africa. They also need support from the food industry like Lager, what Lager is doing, and professionals like myself, all hands on deck to make sure that the class of 2020 makes it, because it is it is very difficult times and different times. More than it being difficult, but it's, diff- it's different. It's not as um, they would normally be sitting down to write, to write their exams. And as a dietitian, do you believe that tea will make a difference as the students burn the midnight oil ahead of their exams? I believe that tea will make a huge difference as they bend uh, the midnight oil, um, you know, just preparing for their exams. For the, for the reason that I said earlier is that tea contains plenty of antioxidants that are important for brain health, heart health, just overall um, health uh, uh, or overall well-being. But not only that, it offers an alternative to the caffeine drinks that can actually, if consumed too much, can make the, key, uh, the, the students become even much more on edge. So when they are drinking, you know, rooibos tea, like your, you know, the variety of lager rooibos tea flavors that I mentioned, they are able to get that facility without drinking a lot of caffeine because they are naturally, rooibos tea is naturally caffeine-free. But not only that, as means to drink more water, to spice things up, they can have, you know, your whole made iced teas using the rooibos tea um, as well to just spice things up and not just drink blend water as much as they are needed to drink water, but it does help a lot to just give that variety. So tea has that benefit that it, it can be used in different ways. They can choose not to add sugar because it is flavored. Some of the other offerings are flavored and they can choose not to add sugar. Um, and, and because we know that if they are thirsty, they just grab something that is high sugar in high in sugar. And we know that that can also be a problem. So I 100% as a dietitian say that tea will make it, rooibos tea in particular, will make a huge, a huge difference in, 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 in this period for the students. Just a personal question for you. Rooibos with tea, rooibos with milk or without? Ah, so that's the beauty about rooibos. 
you can it's vast, it's very versatile. If you want to add milk, fantastic. You can add cow's milk or plant milk alternatives, and that does increase the nutritional value of the tea because we know that it doesn't have the actual you know macronutrients or in terms of like your protein and and carbohydrates and so forth, but it does have the micronutrients. So when you are adding milk, you just make the nutritional. Um, you know, just bring it up nutritionally and elevate it. But also rooibos tea, you can have, as I was mentioning, all the different lager rooibos tea ranges without milk. They are also still as refreshing, and you can choose to add ice if you want it cold or have it um, as a hot beverage if you choose. So it's entirely up to you. You can play around with it the way you want, milk or without milk. I prefer my tea without my rooibos tea without milk just because the taste, I just wanted to sink in, but hey, Anybody can choose to add milk if they want or not add milk. It's still perfectly fine. That was South African dietitian Mbali Mapoli speaking to Samura Mangesi. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. What we want to achieve is a healthy and vibrant economy which can ensure full employment to our people. The government concurs with the views of the Black Economic Empowerment Council report that it is now necessary to make our policies on Black Economic Empowerment more explicit. Last May, I asked constituencies at NetLab to discuss youth employment incentives. I'm pleased that discussions have been concluded and that agreement has been reached on key principles. We are on an ambitious drive to industrialize, to attract investment, and to create more jobs for the youth of our country. They don't have jobs. Tried looking for a job for it's a year and a half now. The challenges were periods and the, the level of education which I have. Channel Africa. It's 7.30 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. Our headlines up next with Onel Nzinzi. SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective. The Economy Community of West African States, ECOWAS, has urged security forces in Nigeria to exercise restraint in the handling of protesters and to act professionally. High volumes of firearms are being trafficked into the Sadek region, with Angola and Botswana being among countries that are most affected by the illegal arms trade. And storms and torrential rains have claimed 22 lives in the first three weeks of the 2020-2021 rainy season in Mozambique. Channel Africa News, I am Onelin Sinsi. SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Thank you, Onele. Recent reports that Black Panther actor Chadwick Boseman died without a will in place has placed a spotlight on the effects of dying without a valid will. As a result, Bo- Boseman's wife, Taylor Simone Ledward, 
had to file a probate case to try to get the court to nominate her as an administrator of his estate. Chris Ware, head of marketing and communication for a financial services company, Momentum Trust, spoke to Samara Mangesi to discuss how this scenario would have been dealt with in the South African context. Um, it would be dealt slightly differently in terms of South African legislation, Samora. Um, and the problem that you've got is that without a will in South African legislation, uh, the person would die in terms of the Interstate Succession Act, which effectively means that you are handing over your freedom of gestation to legislation. Um, and we put a great emphasis on the freedom of gestation, being able to draft your own will and to instruct the executor of your estate how you want your estate assets to devolve among, uh, upon your descendants. So you're effecti- effectively giving away um, that very fundamental right. Um, so a will is a very, very critical aspect um, to estate planning. So it's a sad set of affairs where somebody in a South African context dies without a will. Now let's talk about dying without a will in South Africa, right? Um, where does that leave your spouse and loved ones? So, so effectively, what happens with your spouse and loved ones is that the legislation, the Interstate Succession Act, will regulate how the assets are, are distributed amongst them. We talk about a child's portion. So you're, effectively, they take the, the assets in your estate and they, they calculate how many children you've got and your wife is seen or your spouse is seen as a child also. And they will then add, so if you've got three children for argument's sake and your spouse, it will be seen as you've got four kids. And the spouse can never inherit less than, or they inherit the higher of a child's portion or 250,000 rand. So the problem that you've got is where you've got a spouse and you've got a couple of children from a previous marriage and all of a sudden uh, the spouse was dependent on, or the surviving spouse was dependent on inheriting from their, their deceased partner and the children from the previous marriage who might have been a very good relationship with that spouse end up inheriting also, leaving the spouse destitute. Uh, we see this quite often in a South African context. So once again, to reiterate, an executable world is of paramount importance. And uh, talk us through the scenario. In this story, Bozeman's wife is applying for executorship. Is it allowed in South African law and who can be an executor? What we often see as far as executorship goes is that people nominate their spouses as executors. And there's nothing, um, we can understand why they do it. Uh, because obviously, you know, your spouse knows your family setup. But the problem that you've got is a spouse is not in a position to be able to actually do the job and the role of an executor. An executor is a very, very specialized role. And, um, you know, people need to be, uh, I want to say, qualified to be able to do, to do the job of an executor. Typically, the, the type of um, person that would be able to be an executor is either your financial accountant or your attorneys. Those are the type of people that can be executors. So what you will find is people will nominate their spouses and then as executors, and then ultimately what will happen is the spouse will not be nominated as the executor by the master of the high court because they can't do the job and then they will have to appoint somebody else to do the role of the executor. That then causes a delay in the winding up of the estate. So it's, it's critically important to actually 
nominate your executor up front if you would like to expedite the winding up of your deceased estate. Could you talk to us about um, whether or not one has options when it comes to the will? Is there different types of wills? Uh, that kind of stuff. Well, there's, there's many different types of um, wills that you, that you or then, then leave it to this way. As far as your wills go, um, it depends on each family scenario and uh, you know, how you would like your asset to, to devolve. And I'll give you an example. Uh, people with minor children might want their assets to be put into trust. For the benefit of those minor children. In actual fact, we recommend it quite strongly uh, because, uh, you know, then you've just got a little bit of oversight over those assets and the assets are also protected for the minor children. So that would be one scenario. Another scenario would, for example, be where it's just a husband and a wife and the children are grown up and, you know, they leave the assets to one another. That would be a fairly straightforward, uh, straightforward type of a world. So, you know, it's very important to, when, when, when one is drafting a will, and we believe that financial planning and estate planning starts with the will, it's very important to look at each person's individual needs and draft according to what their wishes are. Once you've established what their wishes are, it can't stop there. Tomorrow, you need to then have a financial plan in place in conjunction with a financial advisor to make sure that that legal will becomes what we call an executable will. In other words, there's enough liquidity and financial backing to make sure that the wishes that you have stipulated in your will are actually actionable at the end of the day. WHO recommends 30 minutes of physical activity a day for adults and one hour a day for children. If your local or national guidelines allow it, go outside for a walk, a run or a ride, and keep a safe distance from others. If you can't leave the house, find an exercise video online, dance to music, do some yoga, or walk up and down the stairs. Avoid touching your eyes, nose and mouth to slow the spread of the coronavirus. For more information on the coronavirus, visit the World Health Organization site at www.who.int. It's 7.38 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa on DSTV's audio bouquet channel 802 and on www.channelafrica.co.za. Our South Africa civic organizations under the banner the Budget Justice Coalition yesterday tabled what they call Imali Esizwe, loosely translated the nation's money, an alternative people's budget based on human rights. The coalition says in a it anticipates that the medium-term budget policy statement due to be tabled by Finance Minister Dito Mboweni on the 28th of October will accelerate the austerity of recent years by cutting funding to health, education, social development, local government and housing, and critical institutions such as SARS, STATSA, and the NPA in a misguided attempt to stabilize public debt. To discuss this further, Samoro Mangesi spoke to Busi Sibego from the Budget Justice Coalition. 
is an alternative human rights budget which shows how we should center human rights um, in our fiscal policy and macroeconomic policy more generally. But in this particular document, we focus on how we can make change expenditure and revenue in a way that advances in the realization of human rights in South Africa, but also leads to growth in our economy as well. Why the alternative budget? So we, we proposed this because for a number of years we've been monitoring expenditure by the National Treasury and have um, noticed trends that are you know, regressive towards human rights. And I'll give you an example. In terms of health, um, the health expenditure has increased slightly above population growth. Um, and therefore, we consider how medical price inflation is higher than normal inflation, which means that our increases in that budget expenditure are actually decreasing per person spent. So the absolute number is increasing, but actually when we look at how much is being spent per person, it's actually declining over time. So these are sort of the trends that we're seeing over time, which are regressive towards human rights in South Africa, given the huge inequalities. So this is not just this one sector, and I'm giving an example here, but to say that we've witnessed these trends across various sectors. And so with austerity, and that's what austerity means, it means cutting expenditure to deal with debt issues. Um, And that's what the government has been implementing, really, to say that they've been cutting expenditure to address debt. And so debt servicing costs have been the largest or fastest growing expenditure on our budget. Um, And even though our total budget is increasing, when you look at it in terms of absolute numbers, what's happening is that, you know, debt servicing costs are growing faster than any other spend that's happening. And so we felt that it was critical that we recenter human rights again because human rights are not a luxury for when the economy is growing, but human rights should always be prioritized, especially in crisis times. Now, is the coalition simply saying it does not support the budget to be tabled by the finance minister next week, or is, is, is there a conversation that is happening here? Absolutely. I think for many, um, for many budgets, in fact, we've said that austerity is not the appropriate way to go. And the reason why we've said this is because we've looked at the international evidence that has shown that austerity regresses human rights, but also it's not economically viable. And by that, I mean it um, decreases economic growth. It leads to higher debt-to-GDP rates. Um, it leads to higher unemployment and so forth. And so we've said this is not the appropriate fiscal policy that is needed, particularly in South Africa. You consolidate a budget, meaning you cut a budget when you are growing, right? Um, Because when you're growing, then the ramifications aren't large like we're going to experience now because ultimately um, your expenditure is your income when it comes to the national budget. So we've, we've really been advocating to say, please stop the austerity because, you know, in the international events we look at, um, we know, for instance, that women and marginalized communities and those who are traditionally excluded um, through structural inequalities are the ones who bear the burdens um, of austerity. So we've, we've always said that austerity is bad and detrimental to human rights realization in our country. What, in your view, should the finance minister prioritize when he tables the medium-term budget policy statement? I mean, we must protect rights at all costs. You know, it's really, for me, always a question about what is the cost of not doing what we need to do right now? And so one of the examples that come to mind is the extension of the cake grants as well as the other grant increases. You know, people, we know that majority of South Africans are going hungry. We know that majority of South Africans are in crisis. 
And in fact, we should have extended those grants. And it's great um, that the unemployment grant was extended, but we really needed an extension of all these other grants given that 2.2 million jobs have been, you know, shared in our economy. Um, and we're in a particular crisis that needs a greater response in terms of social protection. Um, we also know that the 500 billion hasn't been spent, like, you know, in its full capacity, um, which means that, you know, we probably haven't been able to save our economy in the current moment, you know, so, and that has long-term impact. Um, so what, you know, uh, what I would say is one, the immediate response for me would be to extend the grants, um, and make, and, and increase them because all these, the, the child grants and the unemployment grants sit below the food poverty line. So th- those are critical to be increased. And that was Busis Bego from South Africa's Budget Justice Coalition speaking to Samora Mangesi. Prime Minister Narendra Modi has urged 1.3 billion Indians to keep their masks on as the nation kicked off a a carefree season of festivals just ahead of prestigious elections starting in a key state this month. Ranasen reports. The Indian media said capital city's watering holes were brimming with people seeking a good time. And Delhi government spokesman Raghav Chadda warned bars and restaurants will soon face a very different kind of music. All of us took a very calculated decision to resume socio-economic activity. Now, if at all there are people who are violating, then the strictest possible action will be taken. Across the globe, restaurants have opened. Countries like Japan, countries like Australia, Singapore have opened. In fact, Hong Kong has even opened swimming pools and convention centers. So therefore, what the world teaches us is that if you open bars, restaurants, convention centers, etc., and you do follow the SOPs and the protocols, these will not turn into hotspots. COVID, what about it? Was the reaction of a majority of people crowding Goa's fancy clubs and beach bars? But State Health Minister Vishwajit Rane said he would pull the plug on the social frenzy in the seaside tourism paradise. I know they are very prominent nightclubs. The government is going to act. If required, we are going to suspend the excise licenses. Today, the FDA has raided most of the places to check on various. So there are multiple ways in which the government can deal with this situation. But uh, definitely we do not want COVID to once again the numbers to rise in the state of Goa with great difficulty. We have brought it below 200 uh, after a long span of time and we also our mortality has come down. We definitely do not want community transmission and these to become the hubs of community transmission. People in their dancing shoes must also think of ethics and morals before hitting the dance floor. Added Raksha Dhariwal who owns fashionable bars, bistros and pubs in India's national capital. These are all very smart measures and if they are adhered to we should not have any outbreaks we should not have any problems and there is this inherent pent-up demand for you know uh, to go out so i just wish that everyone was just a little bit more pragmatic and, and stiff about the whole situation that is what's required we have to think about morals and ethics many experts believe india may have passed the peak number of covid 19 infections but it is perhaps just too early to ring in the happy hours 50 percent of their seating capacity is good enough but apart from that they also have to make sure that frequent sanitization is happening the staff is trained well they have these um, hand washes and all in place and uh, social distancing distance between 
between the tables is maintained. I don't know how far that is possible. It's a huge challenge in these bars and pubs. We know the COVID fatigue has set in. People just want to go out and let their hair down. You want to have a cup of coffee. You want to have a drink. But you just have to follow the norms, the advisories. That was Dr. Romil Tikku, a virus expert at Delhi's Max Healthcare chain. It's 7.47 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine, coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Our economics update up next with Tabi Solohoku. A very good morning. South Africa's President Cyril Ramaphosa has defended the government's economic reconstruction and recovery plan against harsh criticism from opposition parties in Parliament, saying it aims to create jobs, industrialize the economy, accelerate economic reforms, and crack down on corruption. Opposition parties have lamented that the plan includes the executive's old promises. Responding after a debate on the plan in a joint sitting of Parliament on Wednesday, Ramaphosa said there was no way that government was going to fold its arms and do nothing when the country needed urgent economic rejuvenation. South Africa's Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs Minister Dr. Nkosazanatla Menezuma is expected to visit two multi-million US dollars state-of-the-art bridge projects in Lusikisiki and Mbizana in the Eastern Cape Province. The Mten Tumsikaba Bridge will be part of the economic corridor that will connect the Eastern Cape to KwaZulu-Natal Province. The cost of its construction is 232 million US dollars. Nguleko Nyembezi reports. It's a bridge that will remain historic for future generations. At 1,100 meters in length, it would be the longest bridge on the continent. The height of the bridge is 223 meters, which makes it one of the highest in Africa. The wild coast and two toll road will cut through the beautiful coastal land from East London to KwaZulu Natal. The quality road and infrastructure would facilitate inter-provincial trade. The project has since opened up job opportunities and emerging construction companies are benefiting from the project. The International Monetary Fund has revised its global economic outlook for 2020, projecting a less severe contraction in the amount of goods and services to be produced globally. This is according to the fund's latest World Economy Outlook report released this month. Near-term outlook projection shows that global growth is projected at minus 4.4% in 2020. 
a less severe contraction than forecast in June. Botswana's Minister of Finance and Economic Development, Tapelo Mateka, says that the recent months have seen a robust recovery in the international diamond industry, which will hopefully underpin strong growth in Botswana next year. The minister said this in a virtual bilateral meeting with the World Bank Vice President for Eastern Southern Africa, Dr. Hafez Ghanem, earlier this week. Mateka says... COVID-19 had impacted massively on Botswana's economy, primarily due to severe contraction of the country's two major sources of revenue, diamond industry, as well as travel and tourism. Despite the controversy surrounding the fifth-generation network of 5G over perceived relations with the COVID-19 pandemic, Nigeria appears closer to adopting it. This is owing to the huge economic benefits that the network has been said to accrue to countries that have adopted it. The network is also said to trigger up to 13.2 trillion US dollars goods and services by 2035. The U.S. dollar is trading at 380.75 Nigerian Nara, 11.29 Botswana Pula, 107.87 Kenyan Shilling and 20.20 Zambian Kwacha. In BRICS currencies, Brazil, 1 U.S. dollar cost, 5 rule 60 Russia, 79 rubles 96 India, 73 rupees 44 in China, a dollar is changing hands at 61.65 and in South Africa, it's a trading at 16 rand 36. The US dollar is also trading at 76 pence to the British pound and 84 cents to euro. Commodities markets now. Gold, $1,913. Platinum, $884 per ounce. Brent crude oil, $41.52 a barrel. Africa rise and shine. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zosa. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Well, that wraps up Africa Rise and Shine today. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producer Luanda Maume, technical producer Dumela Mugwena and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at info at channelafrica.co.za, WhatsApp on plus 277-6300327 or tweet us at Channel Africa 1. I'll take us to the top of our folding news is 7 Seconds by Yusundul featuring Nana Sheree. Goodbye and keep safe. Oh
There's always a breaking story. We have withstood the coronavirus storm. Now is the time to return our country, its people, and our economy to a situation that is more normal, that more resembles the lives that we were living six months ago. Following consultations with a number of stakeholders, Cabinet decided that the country should now move to alert level one. The move to alert level one will take effect from midnight on Sunday, the 20th of September, 2020. This move recognizes that levels of infections are relatively low and that there is sufficient capacity in our health system to manage the current need. Channel Africa. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalun Yenzovo and you are listening to Channel Africa. We love Channel Africa. 
Africa, bringing you the African perspective.